Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's Word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation. A sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website, www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for the Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888. That's P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the Bible Live lead. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live, your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. Where in the world is Soapy Dollar? Hey, John Harrison here at the... uh, with the Bible Live quiz show, Soapy is going to... Well, he's on his way right now to the studio, I hear. Uh, but we do have Jacob here. Yeah, and I'm here, and I am not the Bible-reading Apache. But I am here with John, and I'm going to go ahead and fill a couple of minutes, because Soapy says he'll be here in just a few minutes. So I'm going to give a little thought. Yeah. Is that in okay, the world John? is Soapy That's, Dollar. Uh, not a little thought, John. Okay. We're talking about Isaiah tonight. Did you know other prophets also prophesied, we call it prophecy, at the same time of Isaiah? Well, I knew there were other prophets. Yes, you did. There are no losses. There are only profits. Um, actually, a joke I made. In one, the black all the time, yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Anyway, so, yeah, I made up a joke one time in Jeremiah, you know, when I threw Jeremiah the prophet down the well. You know, there's a story about that. And I got this picture in my mind about these two guys standing by side by side when they throw Jeremiah down. And one guy looks at the other and says, gee, our profits are going down fast. And da, da, da. Okay. I, I, I'm responsible for that joke. At any rate, okay. At the time of Isaiah, also I was prophesizing. The, I, I see. I, I got one person clapping there. Uh, Isaiah. <laughs> uh, okay. So at the time of Isaiah was also Hosea, Amos, and Micah. Now that's all at the same time. Now of course Isaiah was talking about actually some bad things that happened to the northern tribes, and uh, so Nicolab, he was the bad guy. 
and he came and he captured the ten northern tribes. And there's a reason he did, according to the Bible. It's because they had really abandoned their covenant. They've no longer kept the covenant with God. And it's not just keeping the, the laws. It was about what well, they're believing and doing them with their hearts. But uh, Sennacherib, he had, uh, he had a very, very unusual skill of doing what we call genocide today. He would capture a group of people and move them to another land. And so he captured what we call the Ten Tribes. He moved them to over more or less into the area that we would call probably today Assyria or Samaria. The Samarians... So they moved into Samaria out there. That's right. They were in Samaria, yeah. Samaria in I Samaria. Got you. Sure, good joke, yeah. Okay. That's very, very good. And then they moved the uh, Samarians over to Israel. Now, why was this so clever on part of that king's plans? Do you know why? Okay, well, okay, curtain number three is. Anyway, but it's, it's this, because he knew that people would not fight to keep a land that was not theirs. They'd fight to keep their homes. They'd fight to keep what sure, was theirs. Sure. So he was actually dispossessing them and switching them around because they would all want to go home. So when we read in the uh, even in the New Testament stories about, uh, which is really fiction and not correct, that the reason the Jews did not like, and we're talking about Judah and Benjamin, that did not like the Sumerians, uh, was because that they were mixed breed and half breed. That's just not true. There's not a line in the Bible that says that. We've discussed that before on the show. The reason is because they were transported there with their idols and their kind of god and their kind of temple and put into Israel. And the ten tribes were taken over to another part of the world. Now, that's, so that's fascinating. Do you find that fascinating, John? I find it extremely fascinating, the way you tell it especially. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, it's, it's just history. You bring the Bible to life. Oh, you are so kind. <laughs> okay, so, that, so we're talking about Isaiah. Now, Isaiah actually makes a very interesting couple of... We're going to go from chapters 15 to 39. That's, okay. that's a lot of chapters. That is. In fact, I would think that a guy would have to read a lot to read all that, so we're not going to read all that. But there's something very, very, may I say, very interesting. Wait, wait, very interesting or very, very... I'm thinking it was incredibly interesting. And and what's so interesting is is that... Now it's so interesting as opposed to very? Well, it was very so interesting. (laughs) But here's something. um, Let's see. And... uh, there, in Isaiah, one of the questions, and Sophie's really, I really used, you know, Sophie's family, and he puts the questions together and gives me the honor and the privilege, maybe the duty, to select certain questions among mm-hmm. theirs. It's sort of like they'll pick the people to choose the jury from, and I get to pick the jury. And guess what? Sophie has just bum, entered the room. Okay, now I'm relinquishing the seat. To the rightful host, Soapy Dollar. I enjoyed the program so much hearing it, guys, on the radio. I'm going to road in here. I stopped and got a good hamburger. Just I was enjoying <laughs> it so much. <laughs> Great job. Thank you. All right. Here are your headsets. And enjoy. Now, the last I heard was Jacob was telling a story about some prophets down the well. And, uh, yes. Uh, prophets are... 
What was that? I think well, I've it. Well, it was a joke I made up a long before. time ago about Jeremiah. When they threw him down the well, and the two guys, I have this vision of these two guys standing by the well, and as they throw Jeremiah down the well, and as he's going down, one guy turns to the other one and says, gee, our prophets are going down fast. Uh, and somebody hit the desk. Was that your head hitting the desk there, John, or what happened at that point? Oh, I see. That was the... That was a joke. Thanks, everyone, for your patience. I just got in from a wonderful appointment I had this evening with a, a couple, two or three families that have been a part of our ministry and work, giving them a good report on things that are going on uh, across the board here with the program, with the, uh, what is happening out at Lackland Air Force Base, and, of course, the, uh, another program that I'm a part of to the Native American population across the U.S. and Canada. We're uh, just telling them things. We got to reliving some of the history of San Antonio. These were some uh, families that have been here a number of decades now and talking about how it was really interesting, Jacob, to to get a sense from these couples, uh, their leadership, uh, leading couples and congregation and, and of the city. They've been engaged and involved with, with uh, so very many events and things going on in the city for many, many decades. And they experienced a, a spiritual renewal back in the 70s, the mid-70s. And, and their lives were transformed in How that old era. are these people? They're, they're, they're back before the earth's crust hardened. You know, I when see, they, because you said in their 70s, right? Well, well, no, I'm talking about 1970s. They, oh. they uh, came to Christ in, in, the, in the heat of that moment as adults. Ah, and then it's just talking about how their faith, uh, as they've lived and they've... Uh, there was a some evidently there was something of a spiritual renewal, a little kind of an explosion of spiritual life mm-hmm. in uh, several uh, large key congregations of the city, and then it spread and impacted other congregations and churches in the seventies, the eighties, mm-hmm. and and that spark of revival and, and, and influence of faith really has uh, has really happened. It's really kind of continued. Now, for four or five decades, you know, these men are a part of that group. Uh, we moved to San Antonio in the early 80s, and even then I, I knew about some of the things they had done, some of the things that happened. It, it is amazing to start tracing the – it's kind of like reading the Old Testament. You read the story of Israel, and you see these heroes in this particular era, these particular heroes, these particular leaders, this particular thing that happened, uh, and, and so on. And you see the hand of God. On 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 this people group, the people of Israel, and you see that it's really not about yeah, it's about Israel in a way, but it's more than that. It's about God. God is moving in them, with them, through them, around them. Oh yeah, and I kinda, the, yeah. There may be a guy that has a bit part, you know, Israel and a few other people, uh-huh. but the star producer and director seems to be the guy who wrote the script. Yeah, God. and uh, that's kind of the picture I got from this evening of sharing and listening to these couples and reminiscing about. Things that God has done in San Antonio, and and uh, it just really kind of filled my heart tonight. I, we got the listening and talking too long, and I, and got broke away a little bit late. But uh, I'm, I'm certainly glad, thank, I, thankfully, that you're able to be here and get the show started, get us get started in the Book of Isaiah tonight. Well, have I, I told you that you're looking very dapper this evening? Not yet, but I was I you're was kind of fishing very for that. Much in di- diaper, diaper. <laughs> well, yeah, which goes to tell you, folks, how terrible we must look normally when we come in to the studio. Thank goodness it's t- radio, not TV, right? But yeah, I did. 
kind of dress up a bit for our get-together with these friends. We're in the book of Isaiah. We've already started last week. I, I don't think we commented greatly on Isaiah last week oh, a we great didn't? deal. Oh. We did. We kind of got into it. I give a kind of a general overview, but uh, I was really looking forward to your being here, Jacob, because... This is your. This is where you really, really, really help us in understanding, what, kind of getting more of a grip and more of an understanding of what was really going on. Some of us we read this history, and it's you know, it's ancient people, the people groups, and things we don't know much about, and we and and we wonder, we see it, and yet and yet to experience it and feel it and understand it in a real way that this is like real people. This is something like. That's what you help us do. I, I really appreciate you on that. So, uh, did you already give out some questions, or what? what no, what I was you waiting for you. I, I, came I was in and interrupted. You, no, no, no. You're never an interruption. <laughs> you're the reason I'm in business. <laughs> Don't talk to me when I'm interrupting. Right? Is that the idea? Uh, anyway, uh, but no, I have not picked some questions. But I would like to pick some questions out of the ones you have provided me with. Okay. It's sort of like going to Luby's when I get your questions. I pick what I want. Yeah, sure. It's but there's a, a couple. Buffet. But there's some very interesting stuff. And I actually, the, I would like to pick number five to begin with. A number five in the Psalms or Isaiah? No, no, I'm sorry. I'm talking about Isaiah. Did you want to do the Psalms well, first? Well, I'll give one or two, but let's go. Okay, with why don't you five. do your Psalms and then we'll go back to the interesting okay. stuff. Okay. <laughs> All right. Now, you said it, not me. Okay. So, uh Name, um, no, I don't want to do that one. Let me see. Okay, look, in Psalm 105, it's a kind of a recap of, of the history. We're just talking about the history of San Antonio and, and seeing God's hand in it and so on. Psalm 105 is a little bit of an overview of what God had done in his dealings with this people group called Israel. Name just one. All you got to do is just name one of these uh, plagues. These judgments that God sent down uh, on the people of Egypt, and ultimately they they helped cause Pharaoh to release the Israelites uh, to um, well go out into the wilderness to worship, and then of course release them to go ahead and uh, to be free to go back to the promised land. But name one of the plagues mentioned in Psalm one hundred five. Now they're not. That list that is mentioned in Psalm 105, I don't think is a an exhaustive list of all ten of the plagues. Eight, eight of them are there. So, so if you list one of the two that are missing, yeah, you you'll get the uh, buzzer. You you won't be right. So, name one of the plagues mentioned in Psalm 105 that God sent to judge Egypt, and ultimately they helped cause Pharaoh to release the people of Israel from their bondage there in, in Egypt. So then let's move on. After that, they left. Uh, look at this. I think this is fascinating. And maybe, Jacob, you can add some uh, flesh to this story. Put some meat on the bones for us. And tell us kind of a little bit more of a perspective of it. Why did did God decide not to destroy the Israelites at Mount Sinai, Sinai, Mount Sinai. Which number is that? Number eleven. Oh, okay. There was a, you know, they they had this terrible experience. They failed God and, and disappointed the Lord. They disobeyed and 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 there was a point. It seems like that we see there in the scriptures. It seems like God is toys with the idea of destroying Israel and starting all over again. Uh, and but yet he 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 does not do that. 
And so, uh, so can you see in the context of Psalm 106, verse 23, why did God uh, uh, not choose not to destroy the Israelites at Mount Sinai? All right. Give us an answer to those. Any of these two questions or the questions that Jacob is going to be ans- asking from the book of Isaiah, give us a call, 340-9585, Give us a call. Go. Be a part of the program. And uh, the book would have ended right go. there and there would have been nothing else, so we had to have some more story. <laughs> well, no, no, that wouldn't have been because remember he did it with Jonah. Uh, I'm not Jonah, Noah, and, and then the story went on. So maybe he could have done it. Uh, yeah. He could have. But he didn't. Yeah. And we, we, he kind of explains he actually, why he didn't. Actually, this is not the answer you're looking for. But one of the problems was God made a promise. <laughs> and yeah. so if he had done what you're suggesting, uh, he, we would have had a real problem on our hands because we'd all walk around and say, well, God promised. Uh, at least we think he's going to do what he said. Okay. Uh, that, that's one thought. Maybe, folks, you got. Maybe you differ with the. Uh, well, gen- he, he might. Anybody, the Jacobster. Anybody here. is welcome to call in and differ. I do enjoy differing so much. And I know you are an expert in my own opinion. Your own yes, opinion. Okay. Let's go to Isaiah. You've asked the question. Yes. Let's do your number. I'd really like, and because I'm going to throw a curveball at you in Isaiah 22. Uh-huh. Why uh, Isaiah Isaiah explains why Jerusalem. And Judah were judged and destroyed. Oh. What was the sin that uh, would not be forgiven in their case? Whoa, that's a strange way to I, put that, isn't uh, it? Yeah, well, that's what I said. We're going to throw a curveball at you. It, it was not for you. It was, they were judged. Oh. In Isaiah 22, verses 12 and 13, what was it that, that in what way did they sin that... Kept them from being uh, restored, renewed, but but led to judgment. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm not asking that question very well, but that's okay. We got the idea. Okay, so it's in uh, the answer that we're you're looking for is in 22, 12, and 13. Correct. Right. That's uh-huh. correct. So somebody should call and talk about uh, 22. 12 and 13, because I got something to add. Because then you can make them look bad by disagreeing. Well, I, I, no, I know. My disappointment in disagreeing would only be exceeded by my joy in correcting them. <laughs> and their delight in being corrected yes, yeah. on the air with just a few friends. Oh, no, no, I'm just joking. But oh, everybody's opinion what, is certainly know. as valuable as mine. You know you're just We know you're just joking. Let's go to... Um, okay. Hmm, oh, you got some more. I was going to Well, it's okay. No, I, I like that one. We're going to call that number one. Okay. Okay. And I would actually uh, like to go down to your number 13. Okay. Ooh. Yeah. That opens a lot of yes, it does. as well, doesn't uh, it? Yeah. You want to read it? Or sure. To read? Right. What was the capital city... Of Assyria. Now, Assyria was to the north of Israel, uh-huh, uh-huh. and they also were a people that that attacked and and uh, persecuted that that um, the people of Israel, the God's people there. And and uh, what was their capital city? And it is interesting because uh, was the was whoever we're both thinking of in our minds right now exactly. was he a, a contemporary of Isaiah? Uh, he was actually, you'll find his name, not only does he have a book written in his name, dun, 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 you also find him written about as who he really was in his background in the book of Kings. Oh, they always have a little surprise with us. That's great. I'm looking forward to hearing that. What was the capital city 
of the nation of the people, the nation, I guess we call it now, of Assyria mm-hmm. to the north of, uh, of Israel. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, and it's a famous city. You've heard about it, and we've kind of given you a few hints in our That's discussion right. there. Okay, what else? Well, how about I'll do one more, and then if you'd like something you'd like to add. Okay. I really would like to talk about your number 20. Why don't you be kind enough to read that for our very faithful listening audience? When now we're going, we're moving to the New Testament now. We're no, moving, no, 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 no. This is still Isaiah, you know. Oh, it is, y'all. Yes, it is. Okay, so I we're in the ballpark. Why, still. I see why you're saying that, uh-huh. but it's still in Isaiah, and when, it actually is going to tie into the curveball I'm going to throw at. When John the Baptist questioned whether Jesus was the Messiah or not, uh-huh. remember uh, he did. He, he, are you the one? Are you? Or should we wait for another? Uh, Jesus referenced him, referred him. To Isaiah 35, verse 5, saying what? John the Baptist said, are you the Messiah or do we look for another? And Jesus said, well, take a look at the book of Isaiah, chapter 35, verse 5, and see this. And what is it that he wanted John the Baptist to see? All right? I love that. I like that one. And uh, so we need to discuss these things. Now, I'm really, really hoping, uh, I think people would be delighted if they could find an answer to your psalm questions. Those are always good. Uh Um, And even better if they sang. But but, uh, (laughs) you like those singing questions. Oh, yeah. But at any rate, so um, but some of these questions are really, really interesting. And, uh, And I am going to throw kind of a I consider, unexpectedly so, and I apologize in advance, a little bit of a curveball. But you're a very good pitch hitter, so I'm sure you can hit it. All right, a batter. I'm a very good batter. I can no, I said, I said pitch hitter. <laughs> you said a, a pitch hitter, did yeah, you say? Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. that's what I thought you said. Yeah, yeah. A, a pitch Hitter. Yeah. <laughs> so if, I, if I throw a curveball as a pitch, you're going to hit me. <laughs> you throw a few curveballs in yeah. your life, that's for sure. I want to ask you this. You said something about singing, uh-huh. and I was looking through these questions to see if there is a – we don't have a singing question tonight. But it does remind me that – now, all of these psalms – Psalm 105, Psalm 106 that we've cited and so on tonight. And we, now – were all of the psalms actually songs that were meant to be sung and that were recited and sung? Actually, believe it or not, there's something called cantillations uh-huh. in, in, the, in the Hebrew. And yes, to answer your question, basically they are meant to be sung. And, uh, and what I always find is among the very, very traditional Orthodox, they have either say they passed down tunes or they have passed down tunes. I like to think that if indeed they passed down the tune that it's sung at, then that would be the very tune that even Jesus would have heard. Right. Wouldn't that be fascinating? That it really would be. Now, and frankly, if I uh, if I hung out more often with you and, and your groups in some of them, uh, I love hearing those, that old language. And, and the, the, Now, they don't sound like Anything like songs, you know, like roll over Beethoven and, you know, the songs with melodies and rhythms and all that saying in the harmony. No. But they're, 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 they're con- canticos or cantos. Or the con- no. You have a, contor- a cantor, right? And part of your, a cantor. Or and a so song, many yeah. of those melodies uh-huh. 
have been, or a number of them at least, how many of the 150 psalms, are almost all of them we know the original melodies? Well, uh, a lot of people will say no, and a lot of people will say yes. I prefer mm-hmm. to say yes, even if that's not correct, because mm-hmm. it's so interesting to think it's the same one. But as far as the Torah goes, they, it has what they call cantillation marks. And actually, the entire Torah, believe it or not, the five books, are written in such a way that they actually can be chanted. So they too, because it makes it easier to remember. Now we're talking Hebrew here in Hebrew in Hebrew. Is there another language? <laughs> you mean it's been translated? No, señor. No, no hay otro idioma. Uh, so, <laughs> I no, yes, Hebrew. Yes, but okay, yes. uh, uh, so interesting. So would like, you, you say know, that I most think, of the Psalms uh, have? Uh, do most of the psalms in Hebrew, uh, do they have a rhyme or do they rhythm? No, they, rhyming is not. That's not part that, of it that's necessarily. Really not see. a requirement for that. Okay. I don't know if I can do it very well, but like in the psalm, uh, you're familiar with uh, the Lord is my shepherd. Uh-huh. Which number would that be? 22, 23? 22. Ah, okay. Okay. You're 22, I'm 23, uh, right? Sure, would that be fair okay. to say? Okay. Anything is fair, you say. Okay. But, uh, and I'm not going to do it correctly because I'm not an expert singer. But listen, not in English, but catch some of this tune. Mm-hmm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. See that tune? Mm-hmm. So it goes like that. And uh, so uh, you can go down through that when you hear. And I will tell you that some of the people that can sing just can sing magnificently. Mm. I mean, I just love hearing them. I love hearing the psalms turned into melody and music. And, of course, a lot uh, in in Christian churches, a a lot of that is done. A lot of our music, uh, even last week we talked about uh, How Great Thou Art, How Great Thou Art came from... Was it Psalm 103, 104, yes, one of those? Uh-huh. Sure, and sure. That, that hymn I will that tell sung. you one, a piece of information you're going to just love. Prepare yourself to love. I'm loving uh, Rock of Ages. Yeah, I, well, Rock I love of Ages. That. I love it. Uh-huh. I there do. used to be. I do. I really well, do. And it ha- has been adapted. That's actually an old Jewish song that has been adapted to meet Christian philosophy, or uh-huh. I'm sorry, religion. And uh, they, I believe they added a verse to it. And it's uh, in a rock of ages, you know. Left for me. Yeah, huh? well. And so. Let me hide myself sure. in thee. And, uh, Let the water and the blood from thy wounded side that uh-huh. flowed so be it's, in it's a double been, cure. Uh, it's, it's been uh, pleasantly adapted for Christian for thoughts. Uh-huh. And that's fine. I've got no issue with that. But uh, but actually, it was an old Jewish song that was adapted. Because not all the Psalms are really songs, mm-hmm. but they're not the only songs. I'm uh-huh, sure. Yeah, yeah. And so it's, it is fascinating when you read that and you realize that, you know, certain people took certain words, changed certain phrases, and made them adaptable mm-hmm. to their religious thoughts, mm-hmm. which is fine. I got no mm-hmm. big grief mm-hmm. with that. Mm-hmm. But I will tell you that uh, I. Oh, something happened to my ear. That's one of those psalms put to a modern uh, rhythm. That's beer pants or water? Come back. I would like to start off by reading a very short paragraph from Isaiah, which actually addresses what we're talking about tonight. All right. We will be right back after this brief break and continue with the Bible Live. You can give us a call and be a part of the program, 340-9585. Don't go away. Dr. Stan Shelton, with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway, has taken care of the Dollar family, that's Suzanne and me, plus our three children, for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. 
Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. If you lease office, retail, or warehouse space for your business, the last thing you want to do is overpay the landlord. But it happens every day. Hi, I'm Scott McMurray and president of Bottom Line Realty Advisors. We work with business people who want an effective strategy for their next real estate decision. Whether leasing or buying, it affects your bottom line. Your landlord has representation and you should too. Even if you're a good tenant with no plans to move at all, you're the most vulnerable to getting a really bad deal. We only represent our clients, never landlords, so we have no conflict of interest. We stay on your side. Call me, Scott McMurrian, at 210-535-7800, and we'll negotiate from a position of strength. BottomlineRealtyAdvisors.com Bottomline Realty Advisors We get the landlord off your bottom If you're new to San Antonio or haven't found a church that you can call home, check out the church directory at am630theword.com. There, you'll find a church near you like Calvary Chapel San Antonio, River City Community Church, Freedom Fellowship, Trinity Baptist Church, Maranatha Bible Church, and hundreds more. Find your new home with the church directory at am630theword.com. Find out more about your favorite programs and the ministries on AM630 The Word by going to the program guide at am630theword.com. There, you'll get connected to the ministry website, email, and phone number. Plus, find out when your favorite show airs on the program guide at am630theword.com. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. All right, let's get back to the book of Isaiah. Uh, these and, and Jacob has some. Yeah, I just want to telling be, me in the be, break. We got some great, yeah. interesting questions. Before here. we uh, jump into the questions on a right. caller, uh, uh, or a few callers, Jerome, hang on the line with yes, us now. Yes, Jerome, do not go away. Yes, please. Okay, but in 29, I'd like to start this at 11, and, and I'll read my version if you'd like to touch it up with yours. That'd be okay. fine. Uh, mine comes from, you know, the Hebrew, but in, in sometimes, actually, believe it or not, the English captures things that's actually probably more on point than even some of the Hebrew. Yeah, it's the mystery of languages. Oh, uh, boy, it, it is. So 29:11 begins in what I'm reading like this. All prophecy... Uh, is like the words of a closed book for you. If it is given to someone who knows how to read, he is told, please read this. And he will reply, I, I cannot read it, for it is sealed. And if the book is given to someone who does not know how to read, and he is told, please read this, he will reply, I cannot read. Now notice what's being said. One cannot read, and he says, I can't read. The other one says, he knows how to read, but he reads and he can't get the meaning. 
So the book because of it's I, sealed, yeah. Yeah, so in other words, Isaiah is suggesting, I'm going to suggest, mm-hmm. that he's saying, look, a lot of people are reading this book I'm writing, and they interpret it their own way. But maybe they're not catching what's really meant from Isaiah's point of view because they don't catch the prophecies. Mm. And so if we imbue it with, let's say, modern-day meanings or later meanings, it's us doing emendations and changing Mm. context. Look what he goes on to say. And so the Lord says... These people say they are mine, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me, and their worship of me is nothing but man-made, man-made rules learned by rote. Oh, I love that. Actually, the word is the same, the same except here it uses the word commandment. I see, and he says, and there, uh, because of this, I will once again astound uh, these hypocrites with amazing wonders. The wisdom of the wise will pass away, and the intelligence of the intelligent will mm-hmm. disappear. Yeah, it is, it does... The whole context there seems to be talking about the fact that I, it's one of the things I was talking to these these couples, these two or three couples I had supper with tonight. We were talking about uh, God moving, and they were telling me, some of them were telling me about their stories of how they came to faith. All three of the men uh, were talking about how they came to faith in the Lord it, it, as adults, the successful businessmen, uh, uh, a, a, a counter leader of a, a very uh, prominent accounting firm. Uh, in the city and so and and how that it was it was a God thing that they had heard the message of the gospel they had heard Jesus' word God's word the Bible things that had been raised in it and that they had heard but they had never it had never sparked into uh, the spark of faith and the the, the of a certainty, a confident, secure relationship with God until later. It, it's so funny. You can be around religious words. You can be around sermons, a lot of sermons. You can sit in a pew a lot of times and and hear mm-hmm. a lot of the phrases and ideas, but it, it doesn't click. I've had people say uh, they've come to faith perhaps later uh, as an adult. You you lead someone to faith on, on a personal appointment over a lunch table. They trust the Lord and they begin their journey with the Lord. And they'll say, "Wow, why didn't those people? I went to church all my life, and no one ever told me this." And I and I'm I'm in my mind I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. I bet they did tell them that. I bet it was there. I bet they heard it probably a hundred times, but it just never clicked. With maybe this passage we talked about here is relevant to that. Did it? It never. There was there was sort of a mysterious a mystery meaning that never. Cl- and then somehow spiritually. I think maybe God's spirit touches and calls them. In the version you're reading, did I hear you read the word wonder? Yes, it does. It says, because of this, I will once again astound uh, these hypocrites, it says, with amazing wonders. Now, I want want you to catch that. And I'm I'm illustrating the point you're making, that sometimes you hear things, you think you know what they mean, and it's really not what it means. Now, we just read that, hey, I give it to a guy who can read, and he reads it, but he doesn't get it. Should we talk to Jerome? Let's do Jerome. Maybe he's going to add some yes, wisdom Jerome to our might. discussion. Maybe he can help us here. Jerome, how are you this evening? Good to hear from you. Uh-oh, let me make sure. Thank John. you. Thank you. There you are. Oh, okay. Never mind, John. You can go back to sleep. <laughs> Is this Jerome? It's Jerome. Jerome, I'm... Thank you for giving us a call. Your your voice is a little bit, um, uh, I don't know what the word is. Uh, Either your phone or your voice is fading in and out, one of the two. Which one? 
There you go. I think. Well, I have only one bar on phone. There you go. Well, a bar or a better one. <laughs> no, Jerome, we hear you pretty well now. Uh, <laughs> thanks for calling in. Good to hear from you. It's been a long while. Uh, it seems like uh, Jacob at least remembers. Uh, hey, that's true. I remember Jerome. He's a smart guy. He'll yeah, have a, I, and I told Soap, I said, remember him? You really liked him when he called before. Yeah, and, so. and you'll have a great comment, he said. So what What are you, uh, are you going to answer a question for us? Or are you going to share? Give, give us a comment or something about Isaiah, something we've read? What's up? Jerome, we got a problem. That phone is breaking up so much. Uh, Jerome, I am so sorry. The phone is breaking up, and I really want to be able to talk to you. And it's obviously your cell phone. Uh, Is there any possibility you could switch to the phone or get to a new location or perhaps even call back and put you right to the front of the line? I'm I'm going to talk to you. I think you said I have my belt in the basement. <laughs> Sound like you said you have your brother locked in the basement? Yeah, Is that... yeah that's what I thought he said, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did you give it one more try? And if... Say what? All right, one more. Can you hear now? No. no. Jerome, you're going to have to... Uh... You either got to get to a different location or a different phone or try again because we'll put you right to the front of the line. Just tell John when you call and it's Jerome, so we'll move you. We want to hear what you got to say, though. But it, we're not, it's not working with that one, Jerome. Call us back, okay? Call us back. Okay, we'll give it a try. All right, thanks. A, a little later. Let's see what we can get going. Mm-hmm. If you'd like to call 340-9585, that is the number. And we'll uh, hope. Well, anyway, so I something. want to point out something. You know, we just read the verse about that's a sealed book. One guy can read, but he doesn't get the meaning. It's sealed to him. The other guy says, "I can't read." So the words are as uh, different as um, as a guy that can read but can't get the meaning. You see. Mm-hmm. So what's fascinating is this: is the word wonders that you just used in the following couple of verses, because this is the difference chosen from academics that are very, very good. And in English, they use the word wonder. And in the Hebrew, they have different words, and they translate them very succinctly into English. The word miracle is never used, right? Miracle. Or, or doesn't can, exist? It can or? be used, but that's an interruption of natural events that changes nature. I see. But... When it says signs and wonders, you recognize those phrases? Yes. Okay. Now, signs are always a positive, a good thing. Ah. Now, but you just read, I am going to keep doing wonders, didn't you? Aha. Mm-hmm. Wonders is not a good thing. So, see, when we just read that sometimes you give a guy a book, he reads it, he, he thinks he understands it, but he says, I don't know, I don't get the meaning. The other guy possibly can't read. So, and then we were reading this passage, and it says wonders. And if you don't know that wonders in English is a bad thing, that's not a good thing. Mm-hmm. Signs is a good thing. Wonders is a bad thing. So uh, what he's really saying is, I'm going to keep astounding these folks, as your line reads, with wonders, which means bad things are going to keep happening. And this is all going to tie in when we get Jerome back. Hopefully we can you talk keep about confusing them. Is that the, kind of the idea? Well, it does. It takes away wisdom. Uh-huh. And remember, it's, remember how it goes? Wisdom, yeah. understanding, knowledge. Nowhere in the Bible does that order get interrupted. Wind, wisdom, w- understanding, 
and knowledge. knowledge yeah. Those are the levels, and knowledge is yeah. the higher level. And the wisdom yeah. is that spark that comes from God. Mm-hmm. So he says, I'm going to keep So there's nothing spark. wrong with wisdom. It's, one, it's the beginning of wisdom. It's the beginning. Yeah, yeah. And that's the key to Solomon. He, we say he's the wise man. Okay, he's wise. He didn't develop it to reach understanding or, or knowledge, knowledge, you see? Yeah, so he wise. He had this inspiration from God, but he didn't work with it. Mm. That's the idea. And when you're reading these verses about wonders, he's saying, I'm going to keep doing the wonders. And it'll actually tamper with the wisdom that I have given them. But just before we go and catch Tuck here, okay. his call, that's one of the thing, problems I've had with that. When you first started introducing that idea of wisdom mm-hmm. and understanding and knowledge, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It, it, I have in our minds, I know, and, and as I've grown up, I wisdom know. has been so elevated Absolutely. and so important that's that right. I felt like it was a kind of a put down of wisdom. Yeah. And yet it's not so much a put down of wisdom as it's saying wisdom is good. It's positive. It's a great start. It's but, a spark that comes from God. Yeah, it, it's uh, very definitely uh, good. Yeah. And, 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 uh, get, uh, and uh, one th- something right. we want. Sure. But there you go further right. to understanding. And into, it, it isn't putting down the one. It's elevating sure. the others, I think. More and, here, and here is the idea, if I might loosely uh, make a symbolic statement. So wisdom is like a seed that comes from God. So I got a seed. I go on the field because I know what I do with a seed. I understand. I got this seed, this wisdom from God. I understand if I plant this, it will grow. Mm-hmm. And when it grows, then I can pick this corn or flower. And apple. I, huh? uh, apple. I'm thinking apple. apple. <laughs> My picture of your words here is that you're planting an okay. apple. Johnny Apple. All right. You know. uh, interrupts some my example, but it's fine okay. uh, because I'm saying, but then I can pick this, let's say, flower, this whatever. This and, apple. And if I, this apple. <laughs> and we can flower. We can apple flavor. Uh-huh. So, But the point is, I know that that, I know, notice my words, when I plant, take the seed, the wisdom, I plant it, I understand what to do with it. And when it grows, I can pick it and I know to make bread out of it. I know how to make bread from the seed, the wisdom. That's the idea. Ah, ah okay. okay well, wisdom, Jer- understanding, Jerome, I just want to tell, let's go ahead and I guess we're waiting on Jerome. This is Tuck. And we'll talk to Tuck. This is Friar Tuck. Is that is that true from, from uh, uh, what is it, the Adventures of Robin Hood and Friar Tuck? Remember? Well, perhaps. Tuck, good to talk with you. Is Tuck your real name or is that a nickname? It's a nickname. Thank you. Well, good for you. Good for you. I love I love nicknames, of course, with a name like Soapy. Well, but Tuck's a great. My name, name is Elvin. Okay, and so I'm the, and I'm the third, and and with three Elvins, two of us had nicknames, and so little Tommy Tucker, I got the I got the the other half of, of Tommy Tucker. <laughs> it's hilarious how nicknames are born. I I left soap behind my ears when I was five years old, and they called me Soapy. <laughs> It changed my life. It changed my life forever, you know. But uh, oh, that's funny. Tuck is, is hilarious. You're, you're an Elvin. What, what, How about? And that? no one calls me. I tried. I moved. You oh, know, when I moved no. away from the the city uh, that I'm from, I, I tried to go by Elvin. And and when I brought somebody back to to the city, and, and they met all my friends and heard heard them call me Tuck. Uh, it went to the wayside, so I've given up on going by Elvin. Americans, and I'm sixty. I'm sixty-five years old now, so I've just given so up on it for give sure. Up. Yeah, you would not. Go. <laughs> Americans, Americans, and nicknames. That's a, that's an amazing phenomenon. It truly is. But Tuck, I'm glad, glad to hear from you. What are you thinking tonight? Are we going to answer some of our questions, or you want to talk uh, maybe about the prophet Isaiah, or what's on your mind? Well, 
Well, I mean, I just want to thank you for your program. I've got my son here, and, and he's 12 years old, and I'm trying to raise him up in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. And uh, so it's great to hear you, the discussions, and I want him to hear all this. And, and I and I have always used that, that scripture about from Isaiah, okay, about, you know, our hearts are are far, far from him. We honor him with our lips. Yes. You know, and I tell my, I don't know, I probably told that to my son way too many times. <laughs> But anyway, but I was wondering what what scripture do you, what what scriptures are you reading that from? That's from the book of Isaiah. But, uh, no, 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 no. Which what version? I'm sorry. Oh, what version? I'm in the I'm reading from the New Living Translation. The New Living. Okay. It is a translation. I like that. It's not a paraphrase. It's a good. Right. Yeah. I like, I like that. You know about the route. You know, be doing doing everything by route. Yes. Exactly. You know, didn't Jesus quote that? Or Paul? Oh yes, he did. Oh, yeah. One of them, it seems like they no, quoted this yes, passage. Yeshua did. Yeshua did, did in Matthew. I thought I recognized. I, I I feel like I've heard that, and he said, you're, I don't know if he, how he used it as an example. If he would, uh, When he, Corbin, when Corbin, you know, he said that, you know, that, you know, you, 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 you do things by tradition, and you nullify the Word of God. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Let me see. I'm going to see that. Yep. Uh, I bet I'll see. It's in... It says Mark chapter seven. Uh-huh. Mark, yeah, okay. It's, uh, it, it's it's Corban, and that's a uh, Cor- word Corban, yeah. Gift, uh-huh. What and is Corban? That's a gift dedicated in advance to God that you're going to use uh-huh. for God. And uh, he's saying, and the gentleman Tuck is absolutely right in the way that Jesus was using it. He's saying, look, you dedicate this food. Now pe- these people were kind of poor and, and many uh-huh. times hungry because mm-hmm. Rome took stuff. And so they're saying, look, you're letting, it says the commandment of God is you honor your mother and father. In other words, you feed them, you help them if they're old. Mm-hmm. And he says, look, by saying, oh, I can't slaughter this sheep, let's say, and feed my parents because I have Promised made a promise that I'll give it to God someday. Mm-hmm. Well, God, that is not the intent. <clears throat> and actually, uh, I would say in that instance, Jesus was 100% correct. Feeding your parents is much more important because that's a commandment. In fact, it's one of the big ten. Wow. Yeah, and that shows the complexity, I guess, a little that we were talking about in Isaiah that these things, there's, it, it, remember he says something about you, their worship of me is nothing but man-made rules learned by rote. Yes. Instead of catching oh. the spirit of the idea and the, and the priorities of God to honor, to Honor the Lord by taking care of you know it is an offering to God to take obey God and take care of your parents you know and that so I, I get it they didn't uh, so it's just by rote and and even then they don't understand exactly is it the difference between the spirit of the law and the and the just obeying the the law on the surface but without catching the spirit would that be kind well, of the difference uh, I might say hey Tuck you still there he's there I'm still there I would think that it was you know. That they were trying to justify themselves and getting by with what they thought they could get by with, you know, and, you know, the bare minimum, you know, and we're never justified by, justified by keeping the law. And that's what, that's, that's what we fall into a trap when being religious, we think we can justify ourselves by yeah. keeping the law. Well, and the I, law was given that we could never. Yeah, uh, Tuck, may I suggest a twinking of what you just said? I'm just twinking it like I'm twinking a nose. Uh, <laughs> okay. But. Because when my little kids were little, I used to have them hold the nose, and I'd just gently kind of swish it back and forth and say, I'm twinking your nose. <laughs> okay. Anyway, sure. so, 
Here's what I'm going to suggest is I would could agree with everything you just said, but I'd like to suggest that it's the difference between God's laws and man-made laws. Because even in this oh, reading yeah. from Isaiah says, my version coming from the Hebrew says, uh, you obey, you worship me with man-made commandments, commandments of men, rather right. than God's laws. So I think that if I've got the story correct you're referring to, Tuck, uh, I think he's making the distinction between man-made laws and God's laws. So he I, is. He, so he is. Yes. When we say we're not justified, I understand you're using that word in the in a in a Christian understanding. In the sense of salvation. In the, in the sense of an afterlife idea. Uh-huh. That's in a very real sense. I don't know if you know this, Tuck, how long you've listened to the show, but Jews never, ever, ever thought that keeping God's laws got them to heaven. I know that's been portrayed and said a lot. It's just not correct. God's laws, therefore, in this this particular thing, has only to do with how we live on earth. It's our way of living. It's not getting to heaven. So so when they, I'd like to just twink it and say, justified, they're justified only in the sense of God said, this is how you're supposed to treat your fellow human beings and God. This is my commandments. But they were even missing it at that level, weren't they? They they certainly would because they were taking a man-made law and putting it above God's law. Sure. Yeah, I get it. Yes. Very good. Yes, because the Pharisees, they added all kinds of laws to the... Right. To the the law, yeah. Actually, you know. Tuck, I'm gonna. Are you sitting down? Got a seatbelt on? That kind of stuff. <laughs> I, I, I'm sitting down. And I'm in the tr- my truck right now, sir. You are in your I'm truck. Sitting in my, okay. I'm sitting in my. Is your, is in your, my driveway. Okay, and your your <laughs> son is with you. I gather. What's your son's name? Yes, he is. Yes, he is. What's his name? Micah. Micah. Whoa. Okay. Micah Elias. Wow. <laughs> Man, you. Hi. Hi, Micah. Good to hear from you tonight. Okay, now, you're 100% right with everything you're saying, but and let me tell you this. I, that's why I put your seatbelt on, because you're going to be surprised what I'm going to say. Okay. I know, and I'm not criticizing, I'm not picking a fight, but I am going to tell you this. Not one thing that the Pharisees say, as recorded in the New Testament, not one is or ever has been Jewish law. They are, okay. You said they make up things and they add stuff to it. I'm going to go even stronger on that. And I can say this because we took butcher block paper. We researched everything they said. And get this. Contrary to what you might hear said in some churches, they were not doing the law. Quite honestly, the issue Jesus had with them is they were failing to the law because they made up their own. And we have researched every one of them in the four Gospels. I still have the butcher block paper. We spent months doing this. <laughs> Not one of the Pharisees' stuff they're saying is or ever has been Jewish law. That was the conflict. God was saying, do God's laws. You have really really informed me, Jacob, with that. Uh, I I think most of us, uh, Tuck, as we read it here in the 20th century and in English and all, if we're not, we don't, if we don't, we're not really that much in tune, and I know I was with with the Hebrew or with the culture traditions. So I, I never realized how corrupt, how um, chaotic and corrupt and wrong 
that the fair, that the understanding of God's word and the commandments had become in this era of Rome, that first century with Rome and the the corruption of the temple and and the you know the the priesthood was was uh, compromised. I've never I never realized the degree to which. Uh, the, the the religious leaders of that era were confounded and confused until I began to understand and hear. Jacob has helped me to get more in tune with that, and it's really made me understand. Ah, now I see to a great degree why John the Baptist, why Jesus, why those who are genuine and sincere uh, followers of of uh, Yahweh. That this this was a very difficult time because there was a lot of pagan, there was a lot of idolatry that. There was a lot of, uh, of uh, really just wrong teaching and uh, man's teaching in it. I, I never realized the degree until I think Jacob has helped me to see that. And it's helped me to understand a little bit more, too, the life and, and, and the statements and the teaching of, of uh, Jesus. Because it puts him a little bit better in the real context that he lived and ministered in. And uh, it must have been an incredible challenge. Yeah, and I think I'd like to add with what you said, Soap, if I may supplement yeah, the Pharisees, of course, were not in charge of the temple. The Pharisees—that's right. They were uh, yeah, more of a political. That's group, right. right. The guys in charge of the temple were apostate Jews and even some Greeks that had bought the offices. So the guys running the temple were on the payroll of Herod and uh, Rome. In fact, every morning at sunrise, and this is a well, a well-established fact, uh, every morning at sunrise, the chief priest, the head priest of the temple. This he, was Caiaphas in the time uh, of Jesus? Uh, 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 at different occasions, uh-huh. that's correct. Caiaphas uh-huh. and then sometimes his nephew. Mm-hmm. But he would have to go at sunrise to Herod's palace to pick up the priestly garments. He had to return them at sunset. That was to make oh. the clear statement to everybody in Jerusalem oh. who's really who's running, in charge, yeah. who's in charge of the temple. Yeah. Was Caiaphas yeah. a member of the Levites? Mm-hmm. Was he? Caiaphas was uh, not. No, he was not. Lover, yeah, Levi. talk to Jared. Soapy said he's right. We give him a. He gets a present tonight. Uh, Caiaphas, how did he get to be in charge? He's not even a Levite. In other words, the Rome and the Herods were putting the people that they would operate the temple and collect money for the temple and then steal from the temple and give it to Rome and Herod. And they would actually send the money many times to the temple of Jupiter. So these are the corrupt people. Now the Pharisees came along and it was against Roman law to have the Torah. You could have the prophets, you could not have the Torah, though there were secret copies of Torah around. Uh There were three death penalties for Jews implemented by the Romans. One, go ahead, Sophie, do you know? Reading or having the Torah. You got it. That's one. Reading or having a calendar. You got it. That's two. He's good. And let me see. What was the other? Definitely was. uh, 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 Oh, no, really? They got (laughs) that. That probably were kind of satisfied with that. No, I'm not. No, no, I got you. Sure, sure. Circumcision. And so they couldn't have a, they could not have the Torah, they could not circumcise, and they could not have a Jewish calendar. The question is why to all those? The circumcision indicated that they were Jews, a covenant to the God of Israel. Mm-hmm. The calendar indicated when the holy days were, and without a calendar, you can't keep the days because you're not really sure when they're at. And they couldn't have the Torah. But they could have the prophets. That's why in Luke, when Jesus goes to the place, and I think it's chapter 6, if I'm Mm -hmm. correct, Sophie, 
And he oh, it says he opens up the place and he reads something from. It's his hometown. It's Nazareth. And what book does he read from? Isaiah. Ah, look at that. Isaiah. Look at that. Chapter 61. Uh, and, and why would he do that? When I first read that in my whole life, I said, something's wrong here. I only have three options. One, this is not what happened. Two, somebody didn't record it correctly. Or three, somebody recorded it absolutely 100% correctly. I settled on... Something's going on here. Yes, and I settled on that somebody wrote it down correctly because of the history of of the Jews in Rome. You could not have the Torah. Had Jesus read the Torah, and you always read Torah before you read the prophets. So Uh it's recorded. But it was outlawed at that time. It was outlawed, so the only thing he could do... Had he flipped open the Torah and read it, he and everybody else would have probably got killed by the Romans. So that's the context of the story. So I've settled on that's the reason because that is the Roman history. And that's what we see there that he wrote. Yeah, that's he right. read Isaiah 61. And see, the Jews have everything, you might say, color-coded and matched. So the prophets, portions of the prophets, are as thematically linked to something in the Torah. Now, if you were an educated Jew and you're standing in there and Jesus opens up Isaiah and reads it, you know in your mind what part of the Torah that, that relates connects to. connects to, yeah. But the Romans have no idea it's connected thematically. So you can actually read it in front of them behind their backs. I mean, in a way, yeah. Uh, then now, do the people uh, reading uh, Isaiah 61... Uh, that day, I recall Jesus saying, you know, that today this passage has been, exactly, fulf- this prophecy sure, has sure. been fulfilled exactly. in your presence and so on. But, uh, and so they're, they're, refer- they're referencing the Torah. Right. What is that? Uh, you gave me the word one time. What is the word for that that prophetic reading as opposed to the Torah reading? It's uh, it's like secondary or, or there's a word for it. That, that reading has a name. It's Torah and in the... Second Torah or second reading or something. Oh, well, I'll tell you what. Uh, let's. Can we talk about that when we come back? Because well, I hear music. I'll give you time to re- to remember. I know there's a word for it. I, you're so great, Tuck, to call in. Say hi to your kiddo. Thank boys. you, Micah. Thanks for being a part of the program tonight. You guys have a good one. We'll be right back. All right. Thank you for your insight. You bet, friend. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. And Jacob, of course, we got to keep you reminding yeah. you. This yeah, is, what is that new introduction so you told us Jacob. about? Oh, i got to stop that. Let me put a stop to that. Hang on. Well, that'll late. That'll wait till we finish. Uh, we got a half hour to be, uh, to visit and talk uh, with you further. Okay. You can give us a call uh, as tonight. Uh, we'd and, uh, love whatever to happened to Jerome? What, he was going to call back. Hopefully, he's going to give us get a chance to get a better phone. Uh, he's running down to uh, the local store to see. You know, well, he's on. Uh, you know, he, maybe he's on on his phone. He's on Jerome. Jeroming. <laughs> <laughs> his phone is Jeroming. <laughs> Oh gosh, I tell you, yeah, I, I know why now. Why Jews make great comedians? Because you, you're all just sort of strange in the head. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm kidding there. But uh, oh, that's funny. That really is. Jerome. Well, the, the old joke among the Jews is, if you make them laugh, they never kill you when they're laughing. <laughs> that's well, maybe that would be a better uh, explanation. Any rate, but all I will right. tell you. But I did want to finish just one minor thought with our friend Tuck. I okay. hope he's still listening. So you got the Pharisees here, who really are illegally, if they got the Torah, they've got to illegally got to be very, very, very careful. 
And at that time, all the Jews, believe it or not, all the Jews were actually memorizing the book of Deuteronomy. That was one of the requirements. Uh-huh. And they made this little top that people have heard of called dreidel, dreidel, dreidel. Uh-huh. It's called a dreidel. It has some Hebrew letters on it. So when the Romans would come and say, what are you guys doing? Studying the Torah? I said, no, 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 we're playing a game. So <laughs> so that was how, and they'd teach them. So everybody kind of knew the book. Contrary to what people say, not probably maybe there's some uneducated guys that didn't, but they was taught. So when you got the Pharisees running around, they had their hearts and intent was in the right place, as perhaps many religious people, even preachers, are today. But they were making what they call a fence around the Torah. That's actually the term the Jews use, a fence around the Torah. Uh-huh. And the idea is, look, if it says, don't eat milk with uh, a calf, a baby. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't mix life and death. Uh-huh. Notice when you got life. Don't and cook a, a lamb, lamb in its, its mother's yeah. milk. Yeah, and that's about you don't mix life and death. If you, a lamb or a baby, a calf or whatever, it's supposed to drink milk. It's about life. Don't use it for death. So don't take things about life and death and mix them. You don't use things meant for life or death. A companion explanation uh-huh. would be: don't use something that was intended for life. Mm-hmm. To to in a harmful sure. or way in well, a in a malicious or harmful right. way, so yeah. and so here's what happens. So let's say the Pharisees are building a fence around the Torah. Now maybe they don't have it, in order they've got to hide it all the time because it is a pretty severe penalty. So they build a fence and they say, "Look, chickens don't give milk. We know that, but don't drink milk with a chicken." Don't eat it with meat. Don't take any chances. So they build a fence out there, even though it says, and so it says, don't, uh, let's not eat, say, a cow or a calf with its mother's milk. But you know what? Let's not take any chances. We'll make that fence out there and make sure, because if you never go past the fence, you'll never go past God's laws. Their heart and intent was in the right place. I see. But they didn't have copies because it was a death penalty. So you got these Pharisees running around here, and they are 100% against and opposed to the the actual tyrants that have taken over the temple. So you got this real political intrigue going on. The Pharisees were trying to build a fence, so they their idea was, you know, most of the Jews don't have the Torah anymore. We're not allowed to have it, so all they got is what we can say orally. So if we tell them, let's build this fence, and even today it's called a fence, and you build a fence around there. You don't go past the fence. You don't violate the law. And they thought the whole idea was to get people back obeying God's law. It was more kind of a safety margin, right? If a you, safety margin, sure. You, if, you, right. if you fall off the cliff, don't see how close to the cliff you can drive. You you try to stay 10 feet away from the cliff. See, so, that's right. Yeah. And that was the whole idea. So their hearts and intents were right. Hmm. In fact, I will tell you, and I could get it wrong, but I don't think it is. I think it's Luke 13:31. The Pharisees actually warned Jesus and got him out of town and saved his life from Herod. How about that? Yes, I yeah. think I do remember that. Uh, well, 1331, sure, folks, if I you'd like to look right. it up. Th- uh, so, anyway, so that's what we got. So I just wanted to say that the Pharisees, indeed, they were not running the temple, but they did indeed oppose the people that were running the temple. And, of course, Jesus' beef with them, if you'll pardon the pun, because, <laughs> you know, milk and meat, you know. Uh, was um, is that they say he said no no God's laws God's laws in fact over seventy two percent there's a decimal there seventy two percent of everything Jesus quotes is directly from yes you guessed it 
the book of Deuteronomy. Uh -huh. Why? Because they were teaching everybody to memorize the book of Deuteronomy at that time. Oh, fascinating. That's fascinating. It really is. Well, well, you know, one thing I noticed I did not do last week. Uh-oh. You okay. took a week off last week, didn't you? Yes. That's right. Yes. You were just, you know, you have no excuse. You weren't ill. You weren't, you weren't gainfully employed. You weren't, I mean, there's, and you just took a week. You, well, actually, you should I, be rested, I think, tanned, I think and ready I was, now, right? I think I was uh, conflicting with the weather. Oh, okay, something like that. Well, anyway, one thing I didn't do last week yeah, that you you've always taught question, me is yeah. I didn't answer the questions, and I've had a couple of calls this week. Yes, you didn't yeah. answer the questions. Yeah. You know, we need to. And so I want to make sure, though, that we go back. If you'd like to call and address any of the questions we talked about earlier, uh, you can certainly do that, or just. Talk to us a little bit about the, the book of Isaiah, your thoughts, your understanding of the, the whole idea of the scriptures and what they've meant to your. Maybe you have another question. You can ask us questions or you can answer some of the questions well, we put in out. In the interest of for time, you. Uh -huh. can I, uh, we might as well turn. Let's turn because nobody's, when, you know, somebody calls and says to John, I want to talk about this, I want to talk about that. Yeah. But with all due respect, I'd like to turn to your number five of okay. Isaiah. Isaiah 5. Let me answer my psalm question. One of the, name one of the plagues. It only mentions eight of the ten. Uh, it mentions the, pl the plague of darkness, uh, turning the water to blood, the uh, frogs, the flies, the gnats, the hail, the hailstones that came down and destroyed a beast and, and human, human beings, locusts, and the death of the oldest child. Those eight are mentioned in Psalm 105. Doesn't mean the other two didn't happen, but those are the ones mentioned in the psalm. Maybe they didn't rhyme. They didn't go with the, the song. They didn't, couldn't fit them in the, if you like. the melody. <laughs> Why did God not destroy the Israelites at Sinai? To me, this is fascinating. Yeah. Uh, because if you read the story there at Mount Sinai, it, the idea is that God decides, I'm going to destroy this people. I'm going to start all over with you, Moses. Actually, uh, the verse says, stand aside, Moses. Mm -hmm. Now, if God is all-powerful, he doesn't have to have Moses stand aside. This is intended as a test of the leader, Moses. Would Moses say, you know, it's not a bad idea. I'll become the patriarch. But he didn't abandon his position. That's amazing. That really is an interesting insight there. But, uh, because Moses didn't. In fact, is why did he not destroy them? We see that Moses actually interceded. He prayed to God that uh, yes. that he wouldn't do that. But Moses appealed to him. He appealed to God's good name before the Egyptians, and he appealed to God's promise to Abraham. As you mentioned earlier, God made a promise. And so uh, we have... I, I like... It. Moses' prayer there is a very good model for us. You know, a lot of people wonder, how can I see answers to prayer? We Sometimes we think prayer is so mysterious, and so how do you get answers? You know, you pray and you see miracles, see things happen. And, and it's not a question of miracles or power or you've got, you've got the, I've got the power, you know, anything like that. It's a, it's a measure of how much our minds and our hearts are in tune with God's will and God's ways and God's priorities. We, we, we begin to sense and understand and see and understand in, in situations what God would do. So in appealing to God's appealing, making our appeals on the basis of what, what we think God wants. And so Moses appeals to God. He said, God, your good name is going is yeah. needs to be glorified before the Egyptians and you know the the, the witness it would be yeah. if you and and you made a promise as you said to Abraham and you you're keeping your promise before these people. And, and it's so interesting that God answered that prayer and uh and even in the like you said, Moses didn't say, Oh, I'll, yeah, I'll get to be king now but yeah. but he, he, talked, he if, talked if, God if out he was of a bad way. leader 
he could have said, I'll be the new patriarch. Mm -hmm. But he didn't accept that role. Right. In fact, there's a very fascinating old passage that comes after that. Mm -hmm. I'm doing this from memory here. But it, God says, I'll tell you what, um, I'll send my angel with you. And what you remember, what Moses said, yes. he says, "No way, you if made it." You don't a, go with us. That's right. You don't go. You made a deal. You're sticking to it. I'm holding you. You're going with us, no angel. And if you don't go with me, I'm not I'm going. I'm not going. <laughs> Good for you, Moses. Well, anyway, okay. Let's go to number five in chapter twenty-two of Isaiah, uh, the book of Isaiah. Uh -huh. The prophet Isaiah explains why Jerusalem and Judah were judged and destroyed. Uh -huh. What was the sin that they committed? That would not be forgiven. In fact, it would bring God's uh, destruction, uh, God's judgment upon them. And you kind of don't like the, that. For, what was the sin that would not be forgiven? Is that the idea? Well, actually. Isaiah 22? Actually, let's, why don't you read 12 and 13, the answers you have listed, and then we can look at 14 see Isaiah, what that says. Isaiah 22, 12, and 13. Did uh -huh. I not? I, yeah. I didn't go far enough, huh? Well, let's see. Okay. Isaiah 22. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm getting to it as fast as I can. That's Jacob. okay. We're used to you coming in late on the show. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I'll read it for next week's show. I'll have it found. I'll have found it. I, I just came in early for next week. <laughs> yeah. At the at that time, it says here. Uh, oh, but you never asked for help from the one who did all this. You never considered the one speaking of God who planned this long ago. At that time, the Lord, the Lord of heaven's armies, called you to weep and mourn. He told you to shave your heads in shame and sorrow for your sins and to wear clothes of burlap to show your remorse. But instead, you dance and play. You slaughter cattle and kill sheep. You feast on meat and drink wine. Let's say, let's feast and drink today for tomorrow we die okay now that's what we listed as the answer correct mm -hmm. now i want you not i'm sure your version is going to be a little more delicate than mine and but, the question is why did uh, uh he explains why jerusalem and judah were uh, judged and destroyed right. for their sin okay right and it's, it has to do with uh, evidently they didn't repent that's it the Lord of Heaven's armies has revealed this to me. Till the day you die, you will never be forgiven for this sin. That is the judgment of the Lord, the Lord of Heaven's armies. Okay, which version was that? What verse? Uh, verse 20, verse 14. Uh-huh. Now, wait. Let's go back and let's look at my version. Mm -hmm. Okay. Verse 14. All right. The Lord of hosts revealed himself as I listened. The sin will not be atoned for until you die says God, the Lord of hosts. Now, I'm trying to do sketch Oh, yeah, on. you could read even this version that way. Uh -huh. Okay. So what it's saying for is some versions say pardon. The Hebrew suggests the word atone. Now, here's the deal. Now, the ancient rabbis always said this. Now, I know I realize the, the, the potential wrinkle in the speed bump here, but it's important to have the conversation. Uh -huh. Um. Here is the deal. The ancient rabbis always said every man, every person's death atones for their own sin. Now, there's that's what the curveball is talking about. Now, here we got, it says, God says repent. Now, this is in the four corners of these pages. You know, there is no Messiah mentioned. There's no Jesus mentioned. We just have repent. And it actually says exactly what the ancient Jewish understanding was, uh, that when you die... You, your death is for the sins you've done to your animal, mm -hmm. your your body. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, so, and so this, from the Hebrew, it actually would say, God's revealed himself. And he said, if you don't reveal, if you don't repent now, when you die, they will be atoned for. So, may I give you another example from the Bible? Mm-hmm. Okay, he says, mm-hmm, as he's holding I, I'm place. sitting here reading all these passages. Yes, sir. I know Chapter 22 of Isaiah. There. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, so. This is the idea. Repent. Repent now. Repent before you die. And we don't have to go through all this. But they did not take those or heed those words. They didn't do it. May I give you an early example right in the beginning of the Bible? And I know some people have heard me say this before. But it's this. Um, It's Isaiah. I'm sorry, not Isaiah. But at the beginning in Cain talking to God. Mm -hmm. God says, hey, Cain. uh, Look, go ahead and uh, let's do this better. And if you don't, sin crouches. That's actually the word from Hebrew, mm-hmm. crouches at your door. Now, so God is actually telling him, repent now. Do better. Repent. Mm-hmm. Okay, you did some bad stuff here, Cain. Let's repent. Let's get this squared away. If not, the sin, whatever you've done, is crouching at your door. Okay? Now, is the door your bathroom, your living room? No. <laughs> it's the door and the ground, the grave. So it's suggesting that repent this side of that door in, before you go into death. If there was no life after death, there would be no reason to repent. So it's waiting for you at the door, at the grave, going into the ground. So on the other side, you're going to have to deal with this somehow, unless you deal with it on this side. You see? That's exactly what, that's exactly what this is talking about in Isaiah. He's hmm. saying, look, your death is going to atone for this. And I know, you know what, I don't, we got a couple of callers. Let's go mm-hmm. ahead and. Uh, let's do that. Let's do the, Harold's actually next in line. And then let's Could get Esther. you hold Esther. those up for me again, uh, John? Let me make sure. I, I know that Esther is on the line. Yeah. Well, let's, let's grab Harold because I think, and then Esther. Okay. Harold, you're on the line with us. Thanks for calling in. What's going on? Can Hi. You, good to hear from you. Good to hear from you also. So I just want to, I, I just want to let you know, uh, so we don't get a, Sit with me or anything, but I checked out Jacob's uh, thirteen thirty-one. He's absolutely right Uh-oh, on his own I, show. That, that he can't a, be. Yeah. Yes, can't. No. Yes, hey, yeah. Bless your Luke, 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 Well, you're talking about Luke, well, right? Yes, Luke thirteen thirty-one. It says the same day there came certain of the Pharisees saying unto him, "Get thee out, yeah, and depart hence." For Herod will kill you. I kind of went back to my James, uh, my James, King James. Oh, and my sister Betty, you know her. Her her husband's nickname is Tinker, and that's been a, it, it's just the way it is. Is that your response you know? to Tuck's calling in Tinker and Tuck? Maybe it is. It is. I you know because I haven't heard anything of Tinker. You know, but I have something you may be able to uh, help me with, Sophie. Okay. Um, there's a verse out of uh, Isaiah, and it. Leads to Second uh, Timothy three three sixteen, where it says, yeah. and this is a King James version. It says, "All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, mm-hmm. and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness." Now, um, the reason I bring this up, um, I'm in another Bible study, and it's, it's about Jericho, chapter six, verse. 20, you know, the walls come tumbling down. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the way I was raised, you know, and everything, I just kind of have an easy way of believing the way it was written in that story. And 
Then we have, you know, later down the years and the last week we have these commentaries that they have found out now, well, they had earthquakes and the, the things built on a fault line, Jericho and, and all this stuff. So, and then it becomes nothing more than a tale. And I'm just wondering maybe your thoughts on Second Timothy three uh, 3.16, you know, all Scripture is given by inspiration. So, you know, what difference does it make if it was built on a fault line or if a, people want to say earthquakes brought it down? Well, earthquakes maybe did bring it down. It, was, it wasn't written that way. You know, but anyway, I know you have other callers, and I want you to get to them. No, that's very, thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, okay. Uh, and for the, the, the inside, the question there is very, very good because we need to understand in what sense is this God's Word? How did, what does it mean that God inspired, God breathed this Word? Uh, does it mean it's a magic book and every word there is just straight? And, of course, we have a terrible problems with this because, as Jacob has pointed out over and over, this, this translation problem is difficult. You know, back to the Hebrew, even Hebrew translated to Greek, and in Greek, tra- I mean, all the translations through the languages to us. Uh, language is not uh, particularly exact, and sometimes there's different ways of viewing them. So it is, uh, we'll have to take, it's a, it's a little bit more complex a question than yeah. than we have time for tonight, but yeah. we'll, we'll keep it yeah. in mind. Where, where is Esther? Is Esther's on three. Okay, let me get Esther up here and find out what's going on. She's always very informative. Esther, you are. Oh, Hi, thank you. Thank you for taking my call. I wanted, I'm listening to what uh, uh, Jacob was bringing about uh, atonement or facing the great unknown after you leave this, this world. Uh-huh. And I, you know, the question is always, uh, are standing before God Almighty, the God of Israel. And we're in the book of Isaiah, two chapters further than where you are. Uh-huh. I, I find this just really amazing. Uh, chapter 24, Isaiah, verses 5 and 6. I want to read chapter uh, verse 6 first for you, uh-huh. uh, leaving out the word therefore, but continuing uh, verse 6, a curse shall consume the earth, and those who dwell in it be punished. Therefore the inhabitants of the earth shall be burned, and few men shall be left. Okay, that's very startling, but the explanation for that, (laughs) I mean, that's like, what's going to happen to me, right? Okay, verse 5. For the earth has been defiled under its inhabitants. That's, there are no exceptions. It's inhabitants of the earth. Because they have, number one, transgressed the Torah. That's the instructions of God. They have changed the law. Yeah, That's the commandments of God. And number three, they have broken... Esther, yep. make sure the audience has those verses in chapter. Where, where are we at? Isaiah 24. And Isaiah 24, uh, verses five. 5 and 6. 5 and 6. Great, great. Yes. And number three, they have broken the everlasting covenant, which is up to you to believe what you want. I personally believe that is the Sabbath, mm. the number fourth commandment of the Ten Commandments, keep the Sabbath holy. Mm. But they have discounted the, the uh, laws of God and his instructions. There's three reasons why the God of Israel will destroy the entire earth. This is what it says, consume the earth and all the inhabitants on it. 
few men shall be left. And that's, I just wanted to wow. <laughs> give you a peaceful night's sleep. <laughs> very, very, inter- it, very, it is very interesting. And you said the earth, mm-hmm. this version says the earth suffers for the sins of its people, for they have twisted, oh, yeah. twisted God's instructions and violated his laws and broken his everlasting covenant. Therefore, yeah. Christ consumes the earth. Its people must pay the price for their sin. Would this be more or less the idea when you read that you think of, uh, uh, yes, it, it, it's possibly a combination of both the judgment of God the, uh, of, on sin, but also it, it, would it be kind of the, the natural consequences? Sin at times uh, is its own judgment. It brings about its own sadness. That, now, see, that's, very, that's amazing that you said it exactly that way because that puts man in concert with uh, his creator. It's God does in, uh, he's reacting to what men do, not that he has to, because he knows everything. Uh, he's been already done that. But what happens is dependent upon man, in my understanding. Like, uh, when, as you brought up before, uh, God said, well, you know, stand aside, Moses, I'm going to destroy all these people and start over with you. Moses, cried out, no, don't do this, mm. okay? Mm-hmm. And so we understand uh, we have a choice. Either Moses stopped the hand of God, the judgment, mm. by his prayer and his earnest concern, or, you know, the only one, God would have never done that anyway, and the only one affected would be Moses. And, as Jacob said, this was more, more a test of Moses and his leadership and his walk in his faith than it was that it's the, possible the, and look at who's reading it you're reading it and i'm reading it you know yeah, exactly. and uh, so but anyway i'm gonna let you go so you guys can talk about that some more because yeah, i'm interested great, in hearing what great, you, quote, yeah. great quote great quote great insights esther thank you that was a good, that was a good quote good. and i also like harold's uh ratification mm-hmm. that i happened to get lucky and pick the right verse <laughs> <laughs> well luck of the draw what does they say even a blind hog no, finds I an just, acre I, never I, down. I, I find if you work in volume, occasionally you're going to hit. <laughs> well, good job. Well, let's let's make sure we do get these questions answered. Yes, though. because we got exactly one minute left. What was the capital city of Assyria? That was Nineveh. Remember Nineveh. our good friend Jonah, another prophet who was a contemporary, I think, of Isaiah, right? And uh, he had he was sent up to Nineveh to preach to them. And he didn't want to because he felt it would be great if God would judge them. And God did later. But they repented. One of the great, what there are eight great revivals spoken of in the scriptures. Eight great movements. And uh, this was one of them. A whole city, uh, tens of thousands, perhaps hundreds of thousands of people. a hundred repented, but who's counting? Yeah, hundred twenty thousand repented. Uh, actually, it says in the book of Jonah, hundred twenty. But who's counting? Who's counting? Yeah, turn to God and and. And I mean, it, it, it was like the evangelist that really didn't right. want to show up, but he right. did. Okay, so that's Nineveh. That's the capital of Assyria, which was well, yeah, eventually. Better hurry, so we got thirty Jesus. seconds. When John the Baptist questioned Jesus, and he said, "Are you the right Messiah, or is there someone else?" And Jesus said, "Look." In Isaiah thirty-five, he said, "Look, the blind see, the deaf hear, and the lame walk." That was predicted to be a part of the ministry of the Messiah. Thanks, folks, for joining us. And uh, remember what Jacob says about how you treat people. Be the kind of parent you would like to have for a parent. See you next week. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture and is brought to you by Crew Military Ministry. 
Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 9.30 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The, the Bible, Bible Live Quiz, Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and the Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. 